0: going to read again Psalm 85. Psalm 85. The title of the sermon is Hope in Hard Times. This is the second part. We're going to be covering verses 8 to 13. Psalm 85. To the chief musician, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Lord, you have been favorable to your land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sin. You have taken away all your wrath. You have turned from the fierceness of your anger. Restore us, O God of our salvation, and cause your anger toward us to cease. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, Lord. Grant us your salvation. I will hear what, the, what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth shall spring out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before Him and shall make His footsteps our pathway. Amen. Amen. Let us pray again and ask the Lord to bless the preaching of the Word. O merciful God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Help me, O God, to speak as I ought to speak. Give me utterance. Preach your word to your people's hearts this morning. Please give us an ear to hear. Give us eyes to see and a heart to believe we pray that you would be honored and glorified, that Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, our precious Savior, we pray that He would be magnified, and that He would get all the glory and all of the praise and thanksgiving. In His name we pray. Amen. 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 Hope in hard times, joy through pain, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and He will lift you up. Exaltation through humiliation. If you want to be strong, then you must become weak. To be raised up is to be made low. If it is life you seek, then you must die. This is the paradox of the kingdom of God. The paradox of the gospel. Joy through pain. Peace in the storm. Life through death. Any woman that has ever had a child of her her own. Knows something of this by experience. She has tasted the pain. And she knows the joy. Those long, restless, uncomfortable nights. The expectation and anticipation of seeing that sweet little sight. The fears and doubts whether all will be well with the gift. And her excitement of what good news brings. The trembling, shaking, and quaking pain unbearable. And the elation of a precious, familiar life now safe. In her worn out arms. Joy through pain. Grace and truth incarnate. He who spoke as no man ever spoke before. Said most assuredly I say to you. That you will weep and lament. But the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful. But your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish. For joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow. But I will see you again. And your heart will rejoice. And your joy no one will take from you. Joy Through pain. That is the way. It was the wandering way of the Hebrew nation. It was the path marked out by our master's footsteps. And it is the way by which we will reach our home. And the sands of time are sinking. The sands of time are sinking. The dawn of heaven breaks the summer morn we have sighed for, the fair sweet morn awakes. Dark, dark has been the midnight, but dayspring is at hand, and glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. From darkness to dayspring, from gloom to glory, this is the way. And this is what we find also. In Psalm 85, in Psalm 85, we see a dismal and dreary scene where the author, after walking for a time, as it were, in the valley of the shadow of death, comes to a crest in the way. A hill where he discerns by faith the light of dawn's hand reaching over the horizon to pull down the scene of a fertile land. Filled with glory. Off in the distance. As we saw a few weeks ago. In our consideration of the first seven verses of this psalm. The author has been pressed down. And burdened. He has been made to taste the cup of sorrow. He has been pushed into the mire. By the weightiness of sin. And the people's suffering on account of it. In the initial three verses of this prayer, the man of sorrows brings the past mercies of Yahweh to mind. The grace of God in past deliverance, redemption from bondage, the pardon of sin, and rescue from the righteous wrath of God are all on his heart. It brings them to the throne. This is an appeal to God, to the Lord, Yahweh, Lord, you have been incomprehensibly good to your people. All our sins you have covered, covered, he says. You have lifted the burden of our iniquities and carried them away. All your wrath you have turned yourself from. You have turned yourself from the fury of your vengeance and the fiery indignation. He's amazed. Look, O oh Lord, look what you have done. How merciful, how mighty you have been to save your people. And then he pleads, remember, O oh Savior, remember how you have dealt with us before. You have not dealt with us according to our sins, but according to your mercy. According to your mercy, we are not consumed. And then the supplication that follows in verses four to seven is an an earnest request, right? His pleadings, Lord, you have restored us before. Restore us again. Turn us again from our sins. Turn us again back to you. Turn us, bring us back into sweet fellowship with yourself. Remember, do you remember his wrestling with God in verses five to seven? Will you be angry? Will you stretch your anger out from generation to generation? Will you not revive us again? Almost to bring his promises back to God and to plead them before him. He knows God's character. He knows that God will keep his word. Will you not give us life that we might live for you? Will you not give us life that we might live with you? That we might rejoice in you and exult in your salvation again. He's pleading for mercy, for pity. Show us pity. Grant us your your salvation. He says, show us your mercy. Make it known to us. Display your deliverance. Publish your peace. Magnify your mercy. You see, the people from from that, right? um, They had known the past deliverance. But now... You could see that the people of God are in a dry and weary land once again. Coming back from captivity. They have been restored, verses 1 to 3. And they need to be restored again, verses 4 to 6. They have been delivered and brought back into the promised land. They have known the sweetness of mercy. Their ears are familiar with the blessed word, forgiven. But they are turning away once again. They are turning away once again from him who called them. When God brought them back from Babylonian captivity, they came with their goods. They came with their servants. They came with their families. And no doubt, they came also with their sins. The reformer, Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, He speaks and tells us about the spiritual decline and decay of Jerusalem. He tells us in chapter 13 of the book of Nehemiah. He tells us of the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah. He prepared a room for him in the courts of the house of God. Tobiah had his own little efficiency, a little apartment in the household of God, and they had taken all of the holy articles out. He tells us of how the house of God had been forsaken, and that the portions for the Levites had not even been given to them. Each of the Levites and the singers who did that work had gone back to his own field. They went back to their day job. They stopped serving in the temple. And facilitating the worship of God. He also tells us how the people were not honoring the fourth commandment. Instead, they were working, they were doing business and selling provisions thereby. Profaning the Sabbath day. Nehemiah has to come and pluck their beards. He threatens to strike them if they do not honor the Lord's day. They were turning back to folly. And because of their sinful stupidity, they were suffering under the hand of God's pleasure again. <clears throat> so, the psalmist prays just like Nehemiah. God have mercy. You'll see in Nehemiah chapter 13, after each one of those accounts of how, what he found when he came back from the king's presence, back to Jerusalem, he found all of this evil being done in the land and what he does after is stating each thing he prays to God. Have mercy on me. He prays to God. Have mercy on me. We need to be quickened. Turn us from our sins again. And, be- and breathe life into these dead bones. The psalmist prays in the same way. Show us your mercy. Restore us again. Revive us that we might praise you. We might live for you and not ourselves. And then there's silence. There's silence. This morning, I would like us to consider the remaining six verses of the psalm. Under two points. Point one, a humble expectation of glory. Verses eight and nine. And two, justice and mercy embrace. Verses 10 to 13. So point one, a humble expectation of glory. What we see in this, in this section, verses 8 and 9, is expectation and an exhortation. Expectation and an exhortation. Verses 8 and 9. After that silence, he finishes his prayer. And then silence. I will hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. And then an exhortation but let them not turn back to folly. Surely His salvation is near to those who fear Him, that glory may dwell in our land. A point of application from this, from this text, verse 8a. Anticipate God's answer to your prayer and expect God's peace according to your faith. Anticipate God's answer to your prayer and expect God's peace according to your faith. After the psalmist ends his plea for mercy, for revival and restoration, he's silent. He says, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. He does not go away from the throne of grace with uncertainty. He does not arise from his knees wondering, will God be gracious? Will he never show his favor again? No. Instead, he waits. He looks to the hills from which his help comes. His help comes from the maker of the heavens and the earth. It's as if he says, I will listen. I will hear what the maker, my redeemer, will say concerning these things. I will wait for the Lord. I will wait for him to fulfill his promises to me. I will look to him who has been faithful, for he will be faithful once again. To God, who cannot lie, I will incline my ear. This is how you go from prayer. You go away from the throne in faith, anticipating that if you have come to him, praying his promises to him, then you will have the thing that you have asked for. You may not have it when you want it, but you will have it when you need it. You go to the one true and living God. You cast your cares upon Him. Knowing that He cares for you. And you leave your burden there. Don't carry your burden with you. Leave it there with Him. Knowing that He's not only able and willing to lift it. But in due time, it will be lifted. And when you have so applied yourself to the mercy seat. The only voice in your head concerning those requests ought to be the voice of God's promises to you, without doubting. Faith says, if you are willing, I will be made whole. And then faith continues from there in the confidence of the apostle, speaking things like, the God of peace himself will sanctify, he will preserve, he will present me blameless at the coming of my Lord Jesus. He who called me is faithful. He also will do it. That is the type of confidence we can have. Because God has promised to us great and precious promises. And that is what we should give our ear to. That is what the Lord speaks. He will speak peace to his people That is to his saints. He's not making a distinction between his people and his saints. No, he's clarifying. He speaks peace to his people. That is his devoted ones, his saints. But do we always go from prayer that way? Is that the only voice that we hear? You don't have to be crazy to hear voices in your head. We all have all sorts of voices in our head, don't we? There are many things which seek daily to arrest our ear and weigh down our heart. Like the devil. The devil speaks lies to destroy our joy, our faith, and our soul. But God speaks peace. The doctor speaks of bad news concerning our health. About our future as he sees it. But God speaks peace. Fear and anxiety will speak of troubled seas. Of future sufferings. Of a dark and dismal horizon. But God speaks peace. Men. Deceived and ungodly men. Will speak all manner of evil against us. Because we obey the word. But God speaks Peace to His devoted ones, to His precious people. He speaks a word of comfort and strength, a word of reconciliation. He speaks peace to our hearts. He says, you are mine and I am yours. He says to the troubled seas of our life, peace, be still. He speaks the peace of mortality, Putting on immortality. And also of this corruption. Being swallowed up by the incorruptibility of resurrection life. Be anxious for nothing. But through prayer and supplication. Make your request known to God. And the peace of God. Will guard your hearts through Christ Jesus. Let men say what they'll say. Let the wicked be wicked still. For God speaks. Who can bring a charge against God's elect? I justify. To his people, he says, who will condemn you? My son has died for you. I have raised him up. He is seated at my right hand. He is pleading for you. God speaks peace to us, doesn't he? Doesn't doesn't his word speak peace to your soul? It's because God has spoken peace to us that we can have hope in the hardest times. Mm -hmm. Our whole world could be shaking and quaking, could be turned upside down. Calamity and distress can surround us, but we can have peace because we hope in his word. Mm -hmm. And he will never be moved. Mm -hmm. He will never be removed. Around the throne for us, brothers and sisters, around the throne for us, there is a glassy sea. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, He speaks peace to us. In this world, we may have trouble, but with God we have peace. Ever since He drew us to Himself with cords of love, we have had that peace. Whether or not you have felt it or experienced it, you have had it. We have that peace now, and we shall ever be at peace. What a joy, what a comfort, that, what a comfort that we would enjoy, right? What a joy and what comfort we would enjoy if we would only believe those things, if we would only believe and exercise faith in His Word. That he speaks peace to us, peace in the storm, peace when we suffer, peace when we are tempted, and peace even when we have fallen. For even then, marvel of marvels, he changes not. His mercy fails not. Even when we sin against him, even when we sin against him. He does not change. He remains faithful even when we are faithless. So so anticipate God's answer to your prayer. And expect God's peace according to your faith. He speaks peace to his people. Indeed to his saints. His devoted ones. Are you one of his devoted ones? Have you come to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with repentant faith? If not, you have no hope. You will not have peace in this world. And you will not have hope in hard times, that's for sure. If God puts no trust in His saints and the heavens are not pure in His sight, how much less man who is abominable and filthy And who drinks iniquity like water. The wicked man writhes in pain all his days. The number of years is hidden from his oppressor. Dreadful sounds are in his ears. In prosperity the destroyer comes upon him. He does not believe that he will return from darkness. For a sword is waiting for him. He wanders about for bread. This is all speaking about the one who knows not the Lord. He wanders about for bread, looking for things to satisfy, going to broken cisterns, empty pots with trying to find life-giving water there, trying to find satisfaction for the soul in the things of this world. He wanders about for bread, saying, "Where is it?" And he knows That the day of darkness is ready at his hand. Trouble and anguish make him afraid. They overpower him like a king that is ready for battle. That's Job. Job chapter 15. For those who spend their days in sin and folly, there is no peace. Misery and anguish meet them, With terror. Hunger and thirst consume their souls. Fear and anxiety haunt their daydreams. And deep in their heart, they know that there is a God in heaven who will judge. And they know that they are not right with Him. If this speaks of your condition, if you look to heaven, and it's nothing but a dark cloud of uncertainty and despair because of your sin and your guilt, right? That's the one who knows that they need a cure. The one who sees the reality, who feels the weight, who tastes the bitterness, who sees their sickness, who knows they are not righteous. If that speaks of your condition, I implore you, seek peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Mm -hmm. He is the risen and exalted Prince of Peace. He comes with good tidings of peace. And every single burdened, weary, heavy laden soul that comes to Him, all that come to Him trusting in His blood will find rest. They will find peace. They'll find peace with God. They'll have peace in their heart. There at the cross, if you come there, you will hear God's voice proclaiming peace through His Word to your heart. If you have yet to come to Calvary in faith, where Christ bore our sins on the tree, will you come today? Will you have peace? Will you have war or will you have peace? Will you come to the Lord Jesus in faith? You who are afar off. Will you come? Will you be brought near? Will you be drawn to God today by the blood of the cross? Repent of your sins. If you have already tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Let this offer of mercy lead you to repentance. And further repentance and faith. Then come again to the cross. For whoever would come to him in faith. He will make the highway to heaven a path of peace. Even for you who are far off. Even you now. Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments. Then your peace Would have been like a river. And your righteousness. Like the waves of the sea. Your descendants also would have been like the sand. And the offspring of your body like the grains of sand. His name would not have been cut off. Nor destroyed from before me. Go forth singing. From Babylon flee from the Chaldeans. With a voice of singing declare. Proclaim this. Utter it to the end of the earth. Say, the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. And they did not thirst. When he led them through the deserts, they did not thirst. He caused the waters to flow from the rock for them. He also split the rock and the waters gushed out. But there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. There's no peace. But if you come to Christ in faith... If you come to him, foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. He will cause living waters to pour out of your heart. And your soul will never hunger and never thirst again. But you will be filled with all the fullness of God. You'll be saved. Apart from Christ, there's no peace with God. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way. But the Lord has laid the iniquity of us all upon him. Mm -hmm. And you know what that that does? That preaches to us. Turn not back to folly. Mm -hmm. Turn not back to folly. Yes, such confidence we have before God and Christ. And this this confidence which saints have in their God of peace does not. And never ought to lead them into lewdness and sin. No, to have such confidence before God should not lead you to wickedness. He who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Verse eight, B. Let them turn. Let them not turn back to folly. The psalmist is believing and he is confident that the saints shall partake of peace again. That God the Lord again will visit in mercy and restore his people. But he is not ignorant. He is not ignorant of the tendencies of fallen man. Though redeemed from the pit and at peace with God, there is a principle that is at work in our members which seeks to lead us into sin and misery. And so he, the psalmist, as the realist, exhorts them, let them not turn back to folly. Peter spoke of such folly in 2 Peter 2, verses 20 and 22. He says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and the Savior Jesus Christ, and they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter worse. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb. A dog returns to its own vomit and a sow having washed to her own wallowing in the mire. I want to exhort you, brothers and sisters. We must not lay down the weapons of our warfare while we are in this life, as we endeavor after the eternal life to come. We may be safe and secure in the everlasting arms as it pertains to reconciliation, but in this world, we are not safe. In our wilderness, There is a deceitful flesh, a seductive world, and a sinister serpent with which to contend. In the Christian life, there is no standing still. You are either moving forward in progress or you are backsliding. If you stand still, you will fall back. So do not turn back to folly. Do not turn back to the worthless principles of this wicked and perverse generation. They will lead you away from the wisdom of God. Do not turn back again to the folly of laziness, of dissipation and wasteful living. They will rob you of your precious moments meant for your master. Moments that you will never be able to buy back again. Turn back, not again, to the folly of sin. It will only hide heaven's smiling countenance from you and bring you a cup of heartache and misery. In the new and living way, paved by the gospel of peace, there is no lane for stagnant nor sluggish traffic. There will be no true progress without a forward-pressing movement toward our destination. An endeavoring, a persevering, The the shores we aim to land upon, the direction in which our compass points, is nothing short of that place of eternal rest. Is that your goal? Is that what is at the finish line for you? To run the race with endurance. Looking unto Jesus. Who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Is that where you are aiming? Is that where you are running? That place of eternal rest and joy. In the presence of our King of glory. Taking aim at heaven then. Heaven forever. And nothing less. Our mind must be Onward. Onward, remembering the past mercies of God's great and awesome deliverance. Onward, praying. Think about this this text of scripture and how it gives us our marching orders. Praying and pleading for grace that we may be able to stand. Onward, looking to Christ. Onward, putting no confidence in the flesh onward laying aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us all filthiness and overflow of wickedness those things that seek to separate us from our inheritance if it could let us press on let us ever be pressing onward looking to the grace that will be ours at Christ appearing who will give life immortal and rest to our weary soul Let us not turn back to folly. Let us not turn back to folly. Our salvation is nearer today than it was when we first began. Our salvation is nearer today than it was when we first believed. Let us not turn back. Let us march on with the cadence call of hope. Hope in God. Hope in His promises. His approaching grace and glory. Let that stir you up to march. There's nothing behind us. That is worthy of even a glance when compared with the glory that will be revealed. There's nothing behind us worth our time, worth our efforts. Nothing behind us. Only forward. Much in sorrow, often woe. Onward, Christian. Onward, go. Shrink not, fear not, dare not yield. Never quit the battlefield. Forward press to win the prize. Then to endless Glory rise. James Smith. Let that be your war cry. Let that be your battle hymn. Forward press and win the prize. And then to endless glory rise. Let that mind be in you. Which was also in the apostle Paul. Who said. Not that I have already attained. Or am already perfected. But I press on. That I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is what the gospel of peace calls us to. This is the triumph the blood of Jesus leads us in. It preaches from His wounded side. Do not turn back to folly. Dare not dabble. His pierced hands preach. Dare not dabble nor play with the nails that hung Him on the cross. He will speak to us. He will speak to us peace through the gospel, brethren. Only do not receive the grace of God in vain. Mm. Do not blaspheme that holy name by which you were called. Instead, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Mm. God is working in you. He's doing it both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Mm -hmm. And he will enable you to finish the race. Mm -hmm. He He will. The psalmist continues in verse 9. His salvation, surely, assuredly, his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mm. It has been the plan and purpose of God since the beginning to fill the earth with his ineffable glory in and through the salvation of sinners. Mm. I'm going to say that again. It has been the plan and purpose of God since the beginning to fill the earth with his ineffable, his ineffable glory. In and through the salvation of sinners, Yahweh will dwell with and in his people, he will multiply them, and they shall be as the stars of heaven and the sands of the sea in number. And even now, glory is filling the earth, glory is filling the earth as the kingdom of God expands, as people from every tribe every nation, every kindred, every tongue are coming to a saving knowledge of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And as they do, they are being renewed in the image of their creator Mm -hmm. who is glorious. Mm -hmm. Let us who have believed, therefore, fear God and glorify him in the earth. Mm -hmm. The earth is being restored. It is being renewed. It is being vivified Mm -hmm. because justice is, And mercy Mm -hmm. have embraced Mm -hmm. justice and mercy. Have embraced verses 10. Mercy and truth have met together, righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. In this section, in this section of the psalm, we see the personification of mercy, truth, righteousness. And peace. Let us consider this personification in all that we have considered thus far. If you do not understand this, you will not be able to understand how God can be both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And if you think about it, we have four different characters that we're introduced to Mr. Mercy, Mr. Truth. Mr. Righteousness and Mr. Peace. Now, you could consider these things as they dwell together as attributes of the Most High God. God is merciful, true, the God of peace and righteousness altogether, And all of those attributes are in perfect harmony, living, singing, and dancing together in the eternal, unchangeable being and nature of God. Or, You can consider them as they are made manifest in God's dealings with sinners. And I'd like to consider them in that way. I think that's the way that the psalmist is using them. I believe that as you consider what Psalm 85 has laid out before us in the first nine verses, I think the point is made clear. What we have seen so far is man's sin, the glory of Yahweh's salvation and the hope of the saints. And when you consider these things as they are, and not in presumption, you must say, how can this be? How can this be? He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the just, both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 17. If that is so, if it Is an abomination to justify the wicked. How can God forgive sin? How can God restore and revive and keep his word of threatening at the same time be just and forgive sin? How can he pour out wrath and yet his people not be entirely consumed? This is the marvel, the mystery. But praise God, this mystery has been revealed. Yes, these characters are at home and at peace in God. But sin has entered into the world and death through sin. In the garden of God before the fall, God and man were one. And they, along with mercy and truth and peace and righteousness, they dwelled in harmony. But when Adam sinned against God... He was banished from God's presence, guilty. On that same day, mercy and truth parted ways. Fellowship between peace and righteousness was fractured. Mercy is a gentleman. His heart goes out to the suffering. He wants to bind up the broken. He wants to see the guilty spared. Hold back, says mercy. But truth looks mercy in the eye and says, No, the wicked shall surely die. The wages of sin is death. Has God not said there is no peace for the wicked? And all the word of God must be fulfilled, every jot and every tittle. And righteousness stands up tall and shouts, Amen, the law must be satisfied. Every idle word, every thought, every deed done in the flesh shall be weighed, and every man will receive the just reward of his ways. It must be so. Give me my due. I demand recompense. And with tears in his eyes, Peace says, Can we not reason together? I plead for reconciliation. No more enmity. I cannot bear it. There must be a way to make for peace. Let us endeavor after an accord, a concord. You see them. You see what sin has done to them. It has separated the closest of friends. Since the fall, there has been this discord. But the the psalmist here, it's it's. It's almost as if he is astounded. It's as if he's saying, Look. Look. It's mercy. It is. It's mercy. And who's with him? It's truth. Mercy and truth have met together. They're walking hand in hand. And there, look, righteousness and peace. They are embracing they are together in harmony once again like it was in the days of old. Now if you ask them, what, how did this happen? How could this happen? How is it that you have come together again? They would all in unison point their finger at Calvary. They would tell you how they were there And that they saw with their own eyes as Jesus carried the cross to the place of the skull. And they would tell you what they did there. How they laid hands upon Jesus. Each one pleading their case with the Son of God. Mercy pulling at his right arm saying, Have mercy upon them Lord, for they know not what they do. And truth there also saying, tugging at his left arm, reminding him, God has said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. The soul that sins shall surely die. You know this, O Son of God. And peace following behind with all the mourners crying aloud. Peace, peace on earth and goodwill towards man. Rescue him who is stumbling to the slaughter. And righteousness, putting his hand on the Lord Jesus Christ's shoulder. And with a grave tone saying, You cannot deny me, O son of God, son of righteousness. I have unsheathed my sword, and the wicked shall pay the full measure. The law demands that justice be satisfied. And as they all laid their hands upon the man of sorrows, and made their claims, the claims of mercy, the claims of truth, the claims of righteousness and peace, as they questioned him, how will we be honored? It's as if Jesus, looking at them all in the face, answered them as it were, No one takes my life, but I lay it down of my own accord, and I do so that I may take it up again. And there at the cross, the Christ, the Son of the living God, He bore the righteous wrath of God, satisfying justice. And there on the cross, from his wounded side, mercy was poured out. And there on the tree, God shows himself to be faithful and true to his word. For Jesus was numbered with the transgressors when he bore the sins of many. And at Calvary, on the cross, peace receives the, the ministry of reconciliation. Freedom to go and to tell it upon the mountains. Everywhere that God and sinners are reconciled. Through the Lamb of God. Who takes away the sins of the world. And then from there. From that place of suffering. They go to the tomb. Where they lay the body of the Lord. And after three three days time. The great stone is rolled away. And the Lord of glory Rose up from the dead, and there to meet him was righteousness and truth, mercy and peace, all rejoicing to see the day when all things would be accomplished. Singing in unison, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and laud him, all you peoples, for his merciful kindness is great towards us. And the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for His mercy endures forever. Mm -hmm. Let Israel now say, His mercy endures forever. Mm -hmm. Brothers and sisters, what a marvel, Mm -hmm. what a mystery that has been revealed to us through the gospel. Mm -hmm. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we have been justified freely by God's grace Mm -hmm. through that redemption on Calvary. And God has set him forth there as a propitiation by his blood. And in that, he demonstrates his righteousness. Think about what Paul says beforehand. You could even say in the days of the psalmist. In Psalm 85, God in his forbearance passed over the sins which were previously committed so that in these last days, He might at the present time display his righteousness and show himself to be both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. Glory. Glory. That is the glory of the gospel. You cannot have a just God and forgiveness apart from that rugged cross. Mercy And righteousness could never kiss. Mm -hmm. Peace and truth would always be at each other's neck. If it were not for the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. What a day. We should rejoice to know. And to see that fountain in our day. Mm -hmm. And look at the work that it has done. Look at the cosmic displays. Of Yahweh's deliverance. Mm-hmm. Because of this gospel harmony. Truth shall spring out of the earth. Mm-hmm. And righteousness shall look down from heaven. Mm-hmm. Yes the Lord will give good. He'll give what is good. And our land will yield its increase. That, you see from the psalmist. The psalmist. We are in a sense more privileged than our psalmist. Mm-hmm. The psalmist sees in the distance a bright day on the horizon. That bright day has risen Mm -hmm. with healing in its wings. Mm -hmm. When the Son of God appeared, that day came, the day of salvation and glory. Now there are fields that are white for harvest. A day that we should rejoice to see as the gospel goes forth in power. Yahweh has given what is good. He has given His Son, and His Son has given His life. And truth and righteousness are having their way as the message of the King spreads through all the earth. Amen. The land is bearing fruit. Look around. If there are branches that are connected to the vine, you have an example. If there are branches that are connected to the vine here, to the true vine, we have an example of the land bearing its fruit. Mm -hmm. The desert blossoming blossoming with new life. Mm -hmm. Streams of water cutting through the wilderness. Mm -hmm. That is what happens as the kingdom of God expands. Brothers and sisters, the Lord has instructed us. He has taught us in the way that we should go. Jesus has left for us an example that we should follow in His ways. Suffering first, then glory later. Humiliation, then exaltation. Life in death and joy in suffering. Because justice and mercy have embraced, because the gospel has come to us not in word only but in power, because our God is making all things new, we can have hope in hard times. Mm-hmm. And God the Lord has spoken peace to us through the blood of the cross. Mm-hmm. And He has promised that though we die, you think about the, the greatest, the darkest river that we may ever have to pass through death, that though we die, we shall ever live with mm-hmm. Him in glory. Mm-hmm. When your road here gets hard to bear, go to the Lord and cast upon Him your care. Go and hope, and He will meet you there. Mm -hmm. Through Christ we can have hope. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. Mm -hmm. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. What a Savior. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his. And give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy. Glorious, everlasting joy comes in the morning. Let's pray. Gracious and merciful Father. We thank you so very much. For our Lord Jesus Christ. If it were not for him. We would be hopeless. O Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you. We thank you for your suffering. Love for us on Calvary. Blessed Holy Spirit. Seal these things to our heart. Enliven our faith. Give us hope in the world to come. Hope in the blood of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.